The Gridiron Show. Will and Ollie back to review the divisional round. I always get them confused, but the divisional round of games. Four massive games, and then there are only four teams left. No spoilers, but all the ones that we thought would win actually won. But keep on listening to the rest of the show. We'll go through some of the head coaching hirings and the coordinated hirings too. We'll talk about some other nonsense and we'll hear from the great, the ever-excellent Rob Demovsky. This is The Gridiron Show. Hello and welcome to The Gridiron Show. Ollie Hunter in the studio. Willie G, Will Gavin... You are in your pants at home, probably. Uh, I'm at least wearing a dressing gown and uh, and some pajamas, mate. So there we go. Okay, great, great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, this just uh, yeah. I don't know. I uh, <laughs> I we've been delayed in recording today, and not through no fault of anyone's because of extra time in the football and stuff. But I don't know why. In the half an hour extra that it's taken for us to get underway, I've just hit an absolute brick wall. <laughs> just I'm ready to go to bed, Ollie. I'm not going to lie. Well, uh, it's but- not like that. There's anything really important to talk about. So, is it that we're talking about? Uh, the Super Bowl officiating crew being announced because that's the big news, right? Uh, <laughs> that's the the main news. That's the only reason why I <laughs> wanted to come on. In fact, is just to talk about that. It's it's so key. We've got some. Uh, we we some of our plans for Super Bowl week are really coming together nicely. We've got. Uh, we're going to be oh. doing for the uh, opening night. We've got our own table this year. Opening next night. to Westwood One and uh, and the guys from. Sirius XM. So we're getting our own table and we're going to be doing our show sorry, on Talk sorry. Sport Live from there. And Will, sorry, we are sandwiched by by Westwood One and the Sirius, XF, Sirius XM radio, Sirius Radio. Yeah. Do they know who we are? Because <laughs> Don't they even know who I think I am? <laughs> no. I mean, do they think that they're that we're better than we actually are? Is that, what, is that what's happened? I reckon that might be the case, but there we go. Okay. Oh, oh well. Oh, well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, no, I'm, I'm happy with it. Uh, John Parry will be officiating Super Bowl Fifty Three. By the way, uh, he um, he was the man who officiated the ugliest game in modern history between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals. So good. He also- ugliest as in was it that one where uh, lots of people got injured? I think was that the one where Ryan Shazier got injured as well. No, no, this was the 2016 game, the one with oh, okay. the Vontae's perfect and all of that nonsense. He also has previously officiated a Super Bowl. He officiated the Giants' 21 to 17 win over the New England Patriots after the 20 at the end of the 2011 season. So, yeah, we, I talked about it. I said I was going to, and I did. Uh, coming up on the show, as Ollie says, we're going to have Rob Domofsky. He joined me on my Extra Time show, and we talked about. He joined us to kind of preview forward to the weekend but obviously when you've got someone like Rob Domofsky on we talked a lot about uh, Lafleur. we talked about Nathaniel Hackett coming in we talked about Aaron Rodgers and how he was going to react to these and whether this Ooh, was going to be the right appointment for Green Bay so that's all coming up later in the show I'm still holding by the fact that we're going to have to do five shows during Super Bowl week Ollie so let's just talk about the games from this past weekend later in the week we talk about previewing the weekend and then we can talk all about these head coaching hires the off season and everything else that comes along with them even better that's great I, i'm loving that 
fantastic. So should we crack into the games or is there anything else you want to share from this past weekend? Anything else you want to discuss? Any, uh, any, anything you want to get off your chest, buddy? Because I know sometimes you like to, uh, like to use this forum just to... Just, just <laughs> yeah, have your say to, on the world to have a rant no i'm fine have you had a, a good weekend i've i've missed you i think yeah i missed you on sunday oh it's like that is it i think yeah so we're still doing dim sum in the early game on sunday night yeah why I, wouldn't we be still doing that i need to go and speak to uh i need to go and speak to the thirsty bear i think might be the best place near work that'll be showing that has sky sports do you reckon yeah or um well does the ring do it no i don't think the ring don't does think the but ring has, I, I really like the ring as well but no I don't rings think the a ring great little sports there's a windmill but the windmill's a bit grotty the windmill's um, very grotty and i don't think they're going to put the sound on the nfl for us no that's thirsty bear it no sound i'm not down thirsty bear's good it's got guinness so i'm happy with that is it good guinness though guinness isn't bad in the thirsty bear it's not toucan guinness but it's still pretty good guinness okay Okay, let's get to the games. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start going backwards? Should we start going backwards? Because we started going forwards last time. Oh, I just saw some news that amid ongoing partial government shutdown, Atlanta's mayor is concerned about the airport waits that could result when the city hosts the Super Bowl. What, isn't it the busiest? No, that's Houston that's the busiest airport in the world. But it's still a pretty bit busy airport, Atlanta. It's pretty big. Yeah. It's pretty big news. Oh, it's only leaving. We're fine when we're leaving. As long as we can get to where we need to go when we arrive, that's all that matters. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't know where we're going with this. Let's uh, let's perk up and carry on uh, and talk about the games from this weekend, starting off with the uh, AFC tilt from Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, as the Kansas City Chiefs routed the Indianapolis Colts 31 31- to 13 that much vaunted Colts defense I was so excited about managed to essentially do nothing that I wanted it to do we thought that much maligned Chiefs defense was going to be struggling but they were excellent getting after Andrew Luck and this just felt like a step too far for this exciting young Indianapolis team yeah it did look it was freezing cold um in in Arrowhead and they've said it on a on on another very well-known and popular podcast. I won't name them. They've they've got enough breaks in life. But they said it looked <laughs> like... so bitter. <laughs> why am I throwing shade at the NFL guys? I love them all. Uh, if you're listening, guys, I love you. They're not listening. But um, it, they, it looked like an indoor team going to an outdoor stadium uh, all day long. They, there's a, a huge lack of talent offensively. Um, the, 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 the talent defensively just couldn't live with some of the things that the Chiefs were doing. And I don't think they quite realised how much the Chiefs would lean on the run and how good Damien Williams was. The Chiefs' offensive line were absolutely superb in this game. And against the Colts side, who we talked about how good their linebackers were and how good they were against the run, but the problem was that their big, stout guys up front weren't able to get after Pat Mahomes. They weren't able to break down that offensive line. And actually, it's what gives me some some faith in the Chiefs this weekend going into that Patriots game, because even though the Patriots traditionally don't have uh, the best of pass rushes, they did show some ability this past weekend in the game we're going to be talking about coming up and they did 
show real flashes of what they can do in the pass rush. But actually, I do feel like the Chiefs, it's going to be like minus 7 to minus 13 this coming weekend. If that Chiefs offensive line played like it did against the Colts, I think they will give the Patriots fits and starts. And yeah, Pat Mahomes did absolutely everything he needed to do without needing to be kind of unbelievable you know he didn't have to make the no look ridiculous off the feet passes yeah he had a few scramble plays he had a few uh, uh he had the rush for the touchdown and and everything he had the he had the trademark uh rush roll out to the right and throw across the body though which... he, lo- he loves a sidearm as well the kind yeah of, he loves a sidearm he loves the sidearm throw uh when they did manage to get a little bit of pressure on him honestly it was he was 27 of 41 278 yards and that rushing touchdown yeah, Travis Kelsey had a big game, went over 100 yards. Tyreek Hill hauling in eight catches. Everyone stood up and was counted. And it was, I feel like, and this is going to be a narrative over all of these games coming up, we just underestimated how important the bye week was for a well-coached team uh, who are playing at home against opposition who have had to roll all the way through. And I think in all of these games, it was really the the defining factor was the combination of the coaching and the fact that they'd had a week off. Absolutely. The the Colts came into the game without Malik Hooker, who former first round draft pick. Um Tyquan Lewis as well on defense. Um you know, they lost Mike Mitchell as well, so they were going into the into the game banged up. That's just on defense. And then when you think about their best player Tyreek uh, TY Hilton, who hasn't looked healthy for the last two or three weeks anyway. Going up against a team in the Chiefs who as you said, had the bye week, had the the time off to get healthy, but also to scheme and see what the Colts did in in the wild card game. It just meant that they were far more well prepared. They they had the outdoor stadium situation as well, that advantage, and it is an advantage. And I thought, from Mahomes' point of view, he looks really tidy, and it, it, there was a lot of a lot of game managing actually, and and bleeding the play clock and and a lot of the right plays and making good decisions but the the huge thing was that Travis Kelsey game it just it just allowed the run game to to flourish and in the in the passing game Travis Kelsey seemed to be open all the time and he was catching everything uh, I particularly uh, on the offensive line as well. They've just announced earlier today that uh, Laurent Duvernay Tardif has been activated to the 53 man roster. Ron Parker being waived. In the meantime, the right guard for the Chiefs, who was brilliant before he fractured his fibula early in the year, uh, is one of the best guards in the league for me. And if he is fully healthy and ready to go for this weekend, or even if he's just rotating in and taking some snaps to give guys time off, I think that's going to be really key for them as well. From a defensive standpoint, you know they have had their problems they have had their lack of talent on the back end I do like Bob Sutton but they really stood up and were counted in this game Justin Houston three sacks two quarterback hits two tackles for loss and a fumble recovery they limited the Colts to 263 total net yards of offense just shut down Andrew Luck and this league's seventh best offensive unit uh, until they surrendered that fourth quarter score they were they were absolutely dominant played a really really great performance performance and you know with these podcasts we like to talk about what it is for the other team going forward I think pass rush is going to be absolutely massive uh, for this uh, 
Uh, pass rush is going to be absolutely massive for this Colts team to find in the off-season. They'll go out and they'll look at some offensive weapons as well, I imagine. But we've repeated it a number of times. Most cap space in the league, exciting young core of players, exciting young coaching staff. It was announced today that Frank Reich actually, uh, interestingly, um, moved on from their offensive line coach for this season, which when you see that uh, Dave de Gu- Dave de Guglielmo uh, to try and... Guglielmo. 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 I don't, Guglielmo. You, I don't think you pronounce the G. I think it's Guglielmo. Guglielmo. Uh, anyway. Yeah, okay. He, uh, they've moved on from him, which is a little bit of a, a, a surprise because the offensive line played really well this season. But he was the only offensive member of staff that Josh McDaniels had asked the Colts to employ prior to coming in and taking over the job and then never took over the job. So you understand why Rank wants to move on to his guy and apparently he's been recommending De Guglielmo <laughs> Rank. to... Uh... <laughs> you you mixed Frank Reich and called him Rank. <laughs> I'm right <laughs> that's, that's very good. But I, it's, it shows a touch of class, actually, that if he was the only guy that was already employed, you keep him on for the season, and he's Guglielmo has, has done his um, stock no end of favours, and you could imagine that he will get signed up, snapped up really quickly, because from a pass block, from a, from a run blocking point of view, especially since Marlon Mack came back, it helps when you've got a really good back, but... Um, the, the the offensive line did really well and they also kept Aaron uh, Andrew Luck upright and it, both of those things take an awful lot of work and <laughs> you you can't blame you you, you can't blame rank uh, rank I've done it you can't blame Frank Reich for 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 moving on but this guy I think will find an awful lot of suitors for his services Frankie uh, right, let's move Frank. on and talk about Sunday night, uh, Saturday night football. We had it live on TalkSport. Do you Angeles. mean Sunday night football live on Saturday? Like, yeah, exactly, exactly, because <laughs> yeah. they couldn't be bothered to make us new jingles. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams, 30, Dallas Cowboys, 22. Uh, and honestly, the Cowboys' run defense was meant to be the unit that kind of helped decide this game. They finished fifth in the league against the run. They held the Seahawks to 273 yards. Well, the Rams totaled 273 rushing yards and three touchdowns on 48 carries. Todd Gurley went for 115 and a touchdown. CJ Anderson, 123 and two scores while rocking the dad bod. This was an absolutely (laughs) supreme performance from the Los Angeles Rams on the ground. And what's fascinating about that is we talked about it going into the game last weekend, that after they had that drop-off, that bad couple of weeks against the Bears and the Eagles, they switched up what they were doing on offense. They moved to that 12 personnel, they put the two tight ends in, they ran the ball a lot more. But everyone wanted to say, yeah, it's against the Cardinals, it's against the Niners, that doesn't mean anything. Now that we've seen it against the Cowboys, we know it really means something. And being able to run the ball keep the New Orleans Saints defense on the field and be able to control the clock a little bit is going to be massive for them going on the road in championship weekend. From a Rams point of view, do you think that Sean McVay stripped back the passing game and leaned on the run because of Jared Goff's difficulties at the back end of the season? There is an argument for that would be why, but I did think that Goff had a pretty efficient day. It wasn't anything spectacular. 15 of 2,886 yards, had the 11-yard run that sealed the game. But 
He moved it amongst seven different receivers. Robert Woods, six catches for 69 yards. Uh, the offensive line did... Oh, that left-hand side of it. Ooh. They are wonderful to watch. And they get out in front so well. And they're really great in the screen game. And they're, they're just... Uh, there is a real simpatico there. So, yes, Jared Goff, I mean, it was stripped back a little bit for him, but he's going to be in a dome this week, and then in the Super Bowl he's going to be indoors as well. So I don't think there's any any stress about Goff being a, a liability on this team. You just look at it and you say, we've got the, we might, you know, we've got somebody back there who is serviceable and good enough. And like we say, sometimes makes throws, which make him look, which make you understand why he was in the MVP conversation at one point in the season. I I don't have any problem with them leaning heavily on the run against the Cowboys. No, neither do I. I think it was a a genius move from McVeigh. I thought we thought a lot of people thought, and maybe the Cowboys thought as well, that they would attack more um, through the air. But just the emergence of of bowling ball Anderson and not using Gurley too much. They brought him in for some key downs, but when it was clear that Anderson, I, I asked you this question: Have they are they riding the hot hand with um, CJ Anderson and kind of, or are they just looking at uh, Todd Gurley's injuries over the last couple of weeks and saying, right, we'll just give it to to CJ and. Um, you said, well, I think actually it's a little bit of both. And that was 100% the right thing to do. Both had monster games. And now, if you're the New Orleans Saints, where is that attack going to come from? What are they going to do in the Dome? How much will they use the run? How much will they use the pass? Really exciting. And then, from a defensive point of view, holding Zeke Elliott for 47 yards just off of 20 attempts, what a performance that was. Yeah, fantastic. Genuinely really enjoyable uh, to see them. They were so stout up front. I think in particular Indomitian Soup maybe had his best game as a Ram. And if you're doing that and standing up in in that kind of situation, uh, there were some really difficult and odd play calls in this game again for the Cowboys, which we'd seen the previous week, but they'd managed to survive. And then this past weekend, uh, they went for it on fourth down. Five times, I think, in the game, I want to say. And that was two or three times on the final drive. But the third time they went for it on fourth down, and when they failed with the game pretty much on the line, they tried to just run the ball up the gut. They could have gone for the quarterback sneak, or they could have used Dak Prescott, who is a guy with a big body, who has shown his running ability, who did really well getting to the edge later in the game after that to get them to within one score. But instead, they just tried to run the ball up the gut against essentially two Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame defensive tackles in Indomitian Sue and Aaron Donald. And they got mm. shut down. And there's no real surprise. And yet again, we're left questioning what on earth is going on with the Cowboys and their coaching staff. Uh, Jerry Jones, interestingly, uh, it sounds today like there's no way they're going to be moving on from uh, Jason Garrett. I'm not that surprised by that. I think we kind of expected it to happen. But uh, Jerry Jones said, if I were to sack him today, he'd have five offers for head coaching jobs immediately and you're like Meh. I don't I think you're overestimating nope, they've all been filled <laughs> yeah and, and I think you're overestimating how the rest of the league rates Jason Garrett versus how you rate them as well but they've got some really big roster decisions to make it looks like they might be moving on from Scott Linehan as offensive coordinator apparently on the defensive side of the ball what we've heard from uh, from inside the Rams locker room is that essentially they knew what the defense was going to do on so many of the snaps they had a bit of a tell going on they uh, they 
it's a, a bit of a damning statement on Marinelli and also Chris Richard, who was given so much more of the uh, of the emphasis as the season went on, that they got really kind of called out by the Rams on that. And so it's going to be a really interesting off-season for them. They're going to need to pay uh, Dak Prescott at some point. And what's that contract going to look like? I'd be surprised if they didn't do that during this window. And then how does that affect the cap? Um, I would say you get Prescott done now. You consider getting Ezekiel Elliott done now. You've got Demarcus Lawrence, who played on the franchise tag this year. You've got regular contributors with expiring deals like Cole Beasley, Tavon Austin, Jeff Swain, Damian Wilson, Damian Damian Wilson, yeah, who all had... uh, deals this year and then you've got people like Byron Jones and Amari Cooper with just one year left on their deal so uh, how are they going to get all that talent in under the cap and considering what they're paying their offensive line etc as well it's it's a really really difficult time for the for the Dallas Cowboys and you start to wonder have you missed a bit of a Super Bowl window while you've had these two absolutely brilliant young offensive players on uh, on their rookie deals and especially with the offensive line, which wasn't what it was this season, uh, but it was brilliant the last two seasons. So, yeah, it, you feel like if you've got that stout um, basis, you know, there you you know you can grow other stuff, uh, better offensive schemes and such like. But it never really materialised. Getting rid of of um, Des Bryant, okay, in the, it looks like that was a good idea. But bringing in Cooper's felt like they were they were shooting for that Super Bowl this season. I'd like to highlight Michael Gallup though. What a what a game he had. He looked like actually the best player on the field for Dallas on offense. And that includes Zeke Elliott. I think he had a real coming out party and looks really good leading up to next year. So it it may be that they don't need to necessarily go for that number one wide receiver next season and they can look at strengthening elsewhere. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I just think they've got too many players on that are going to be expecting big money and they're going to have to make... There's going to have to be some big sort of changes coming up, I think, in Dallas. They won't make coaching changes, but there are going to be big personnel changes coming. Uh, they're going to have to try and find a way to save some money under the cap. I think it's going to be a really fascinating offseason to follow them, particularly if they give some of those guys big deals who are expiring this year. Right, let's turn our attention to Sunday. There was an early kickoff. What was the score in this one? <laughs> the New England Patriots 41 the Los Angeles Chargers 28. Now, I had to look at this because I did not watch the end of the game. Uh, <laughs> I, I, um, I, people, this is not in any way a dig at the Patriots. And a lot of Patriots fans got pissy at me on Twitter because I joked about this. But legitimately, I've seen everything I needed to see from the Patriots in those opening four drives when they set unbelievable records and they went four touchdowns off the first four drives, which no one's ever done before. And everything, all those amazing positives you want to see. Yada, yada, yada. Exactly. And all of it is perfectly valid and all of those are great points. I totally get it. And those who don't believe that we appreciate what the Patriots have done and going to eight straight title games and how ridiculous that is are are ridiculous. If they don't realise that we are appreciative of the brilliance we've seen in our time and how it's raised the game of some others and everything else that comes along with that. But yet again, I think those people who talk about how we should enjoy watching the Patriots play, it's like when Clancy had a go at me over the... um, 
over the 49ers winning against the Seahawks and uh, the, what that meant for our draft position rather than enjoying the win he wanted me to be angry that we'd won because it meant we wouldn't have the number one overall pick people are forgetting how sports fandom works sports Mm. fandom isn't based on records i'm not just sitting here looking at history books and going obviously i like reading a good book about the history of the nfl but I enjoy watching in the moment exciting football. I enjoy watching tight games. I enjoy watching genuinely competitive action. And unfortunately, the Chargers, after they scored on their opening drive to level things up, were not a competitive football team for the rest of this game. And it meant I didn't enjoy it, and so I didn't watch the rest of it. I watched up until 28-7, and then I had a load of stuff to do before work. So I did a load of job or jobs around the house, and then I drove in in time for the start of the Saints-Eagles game. I'm not saying I don't appreciate what the Patriots have done for their legacy and what they how amazing they've been over this period of time what I am saying is that I don't I don't care if we get don't get the Patriots in a fifth fourth Super Bowl in five years I'm not going to be going oh well I'm disappointed because you know they have been the best team of the last 15 years I'll be excited that we're getting to see new faces and exciting young quarterback in Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid, all those other storylines that come with it. I'll be excited about the quality of the product on the field. I'll be, you know, and I'm sure the Patriots will give us a great game as well. They've given us three great games over the last four years. But because we don't enjoy watching a team batter another team doesn't mean that we don't appreciate how impressive what they're doing is. It's just not fun as a neutral fan to watch. Well said, Willie. I, I can't disagree with any of that. That's exactly how I feel. It's We want to see something different. We've seen the Patriots do what they do. And I'll repeat this on the show later on the week when we preview the games. But I would, I think that 99% of non-New England and Kansas City fans want Kansas City to win. Not because... Um, they they hate the Patriots. They just want to see so, a different team in there. And it, it doesn't matter to us whether Tom Brady gets a sixth ring or not. It it just I just want to see something different in a Super Bowl. You want to see a great matchup between Kansas City and either of the Rams or the Saints. And that's what it would be. And yes, it, you're right. It would be a good matchup if the Pats were there. But I don't want to see it. And I don't want to see the Patriots roll out... Um, boring football in the second half because it would have been boring. It, I don't know. I didn't watch it, but they only scored I, I, two. I have watched the highlights back and they essentially just ran the ball and chewed the clock. And it was it was disappointing because the Chargers just couldn't deal with them defensively. The Patriots, and what you were saying about the two-week thing, I think what's really key about the two weeks isn't about the time you get to scout the opposition because you get the exact same amount of time that the opposition have to scout you because you don't know who you're going to be facing. But what you get is a week where you can self-scout where you can go back and watch your own film, where you can go back and find out what you've been doing badly and make improvements on it and train and work on those issues. And that's what you saw from the Patriots defensive Mm -hmm. line who played really well and dialed up some brilliant offensive adjustments uh, into it. Um, This kind of cover zero approach, loads of rushes forcing Rivers into making mistakes. They played brilliantly on that side of the ball. They ran the ball really well. uh, And everything about it was a great performance. I just don't want to watch a team get hammered. It's not for me. From a Chargers perspective, 
it's another year of falling before they get to the final hurdle. Antonio Gates has said he wants to be back. Phil Rivers is uh, obviously still planning to be back by the sounds of it. I still think Anthony Lynn did a good job this year. They've got exciting young pieces on the defensive side of the ball. So there's plenty of reason to be positive about the Los Angeles Chargers. Yes, again, it was. It felt like a step too far, like it did for the Colts. And while they're not getting a proper home field advantage, I wonder if they'll ever be able to to really put something impressive together in the playoffs. That's a great point. They they were a better team away from home or home in inverted commas, and um, it is a huge thing to have that home field. And we've seen it. We saw it over the the divisional weekend where all the four home teams, regardless of whether they had the bye or not, they all won in the end. And the Chargers haven't had that kind of advantage. Imagine how good they would have been had they had, had they been in San Diego, maybe. You never know. Mm. Um, Of which, by the way, I love Jeff Reinbold, but I love the fact that he keeps calling them San Diego and no one picks (laughs) up on it. It's superb. (laughs) Jeff, you're an absolute hero. Look, the, the Chargers maybe fell at the final hurt their final hurdle but there's the the roster's stacked full of talent they've got some they've got a fun head coach and i think a bit of retooling in the summer and we could see something akin we may see something similar next season or maybe their window is window is gone but Man, I really hope the Chiefs beat the the Patriots next week. (laughs) Still to come, we'll hear from Rob Domofsky, NFL Nation's uh, ESPN writer for the Green Bay Packers, and we'll uh, review the final game of Divisional Round Weekend between the Saints and the Eagles. Uh, Plus, we'll have the latest odds with our friends at Skybet. Jacob will look forward to Divisional Weekend. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with lots more on The Gridiron Show. You're listening to The Gridiron Show. Just a reminder that our friend at Touchdown Trips still have some Super Bowl trips available. In fact, if you're listening early in the week, they still might even be able to get you out for Divisional Weekend. There are packages on their website still right now for the likes of for going to New Orleans, for going to Kansas City. Uh, New Orleans this weekend. I don't know if you saw how much of a party it was after last weekend, but imagine what it's going to be like this weekend if they continue that ridiculous home playoff run under Sean Payton and go to the Super Super Bowl. There's a party outside the stadium down Frenchman, down Bourbon Street going on until, well, into the next day, basically. And I suspect we'll get very much the same thing again this weekend. So head to touchdowntrips.com for the very best prices, the very best deals, the very best packages for both the Super Bowl and Divisional Week. Kend. Uh, coming up, Rob Domofsky. First of all, Ollie, the uh, New Orleans Saints run out 20 to 14 winners over the Philadelphia Eagles. Very nearly threw this game away late, and we thought we might see some Nick Foles magic down the stretch. But a second pick of the game for Marshall and Lattimore eventually does kill it off as Foles is driving down, trying to put his team back ahead. What really stands out from this game, though, is that the Eagles jumped out to a 14-0 league, uh, lead, were unbelievable in the first quarter. And then between the Superdome crowd, between the Saints defence making adjustments, they held them to 100 yards total offence over the next three quarters and zero points. That was an incredibly impressive performance. And they didn't, again, much like they've had in, uh, in recent weeks, didn't need the offence to do anything spectacular, put enough points up, ground it out. I was, from quarters two through four, the Saints really, really impressed me. It's a, it was a different game 
or a different st- type of performance, wasn't it? The the Saints' domination over the Eagles after that first quarter compared to the New England Patriots' domination over the Chargers in the first half. Because it, it felt like the Saints were going to come back in. But because they were so stuttering on offense, really only Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara maybe, and of course Taysom Hill, but really only those guys had any sort of synergy with the, I don't know, maybe with the ball or with the game. The rest, everyone else seemed not really to be in the game, not really making the plays. Mark Ingram didn't have a great game. Um, The rest of the receiving core, Ted Ginn missed a couple of big catches. The, the the refs had their say on a couple of things as well. It was just a, it was a, a bitty stuttering performance on offense, and then conversely on defense, they were just dominant. And I loved Marshawn Lattimore. The first pick was great. The second pick was almost as good, but the way he then followed uh, Alshon Jeffrey, who had a pretty good game up until that point, just sh- it 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 spread fear within the Eagles' offense, and then they became. They fed almost off of the New Orleans Saints on offense. Was almost mirrored similarly on the Philadelphia Eagles as well. Michael Thomas is is twenty five years old and has only had three seasons in the NFL. He went for one hundred and seventy one yards off twelve catches and a touchdown in this game. Was an absolute beast. He's now going up against next weekend a team in the Rams who he put up two hundred and eleven yards and a score on when they won forty five thirty five earlier in the season. I think when people talk about the best wide receivers in the NFL and they don't put Michael Thomas into that conversation, they're being disrespectful because he has incredible hands. He's incredibly quick. He, uh, his route running is crisp. He's good in traffic. I think him and uh, DeAndre Hopkins are the future of the position. Whilst we, you know, still get excited about Antonio Brown and still get excited about Julio Jones, and they are still brilliant. These are the two who in five years' time will still be in the conversation for the All-Pro yeah. year in, year out. I love Michael Thomas. I love his relationship with Drew Brees. Uh, and I, uh, I'd love to see him in the Super Bowl, and I'm excited about seeing him in the NFC Championship game. Uh, do you know what? Breeze could be better than he was this past weekend. Yeah. Uh, he was unbelievable in that 45-35 win earlier in the season. Uh, he's past that 40 milestone, and, you know, we saw that amazing downfield throw from Taysen uh, Hill, who hit... Alvin Kamara in stride on that 46-yard touchdown that ended up getting brought back on the you know the 18-play scoring drive where it was 18 plays. There was 18 plays in 113 yards or something like that because yeah. they had so many penalty yards that they kept having to regain the yards they'd already gained. But Breeze has certainly had a little bit of an issue and I, I, over the past four or five weeks in finding guys downfield. He looks like he is tiring as the season goes on. And so I just hope they can do everything they can to get a fully upright, healthy Breeze this week because it's a good offensive line. It's a good running game. There are weapons there. The defense stood up brilliantly against the Eagles after those first couple of drives to start the game, put them in a dominant position. Honestly, I I really, really enjoy this Saints team. I desperately hope that for, after years of Drew Brees carrying the team on his back, he doesn't somehow become the reason that he can't go out and win Super Bowl number two. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was as, as I said, it was a stuttering 
performance from Breeze as well. It intercepted on his first play of the game, just underthrowing. I think it was Ted Ginn and uh, Lattimore just steps in front and, and makes the pick. Yeah, I think it was worrying, but I think uh, Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara looked so good. And, and I, I can't remember who the, the commentator was. Maybe, uh, was it Troy Aikman? Anyway, whoever the co-commentator was, it just said that he's such a good football player and he runs routes like Michael Thomas does really crisply. And he could be a, a Tyreek Hill-esque wide receiver <laughs> if they needed him to be so. And yeah, I, I love everything that the... Um, that, uh, that the Steelers potential the Steelers that the the Saints potentially could do if it all clicks and we've seen that in in fits and starts throughout the season and that's why they are where they are it's just almost it's good that they've got this kind of performance offensively out of the way that they can then get better and progress it through the championship game championship weekend and then then into the Super Bowl they were helped somewhat I think on offense by the amount of Eagles injuries they were they were going down like flies weren't they the Eagles defense where oh, um, it, was, it was horrible to see yeah Fletcher Cox Brandon Graham did Haloni Nata get injured as well it just there was so Nigel Bradham so many of them were going down injured and even so a lot of their players really stood up and 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 did a great job. Chris Long, Michael Bennett had really really good games, and despite all of that, um, it, it turned it 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 all fell down to a miscommunication. Well, a, a miscatch, a miscatch from old safe hands Ocean Jeffrey that falls into um, it falls into Lattimore's lap. It, was there any concern for Nick Foles? And I know we'll we'll break down where he could go in the off season, but I think he is potentially a number one quarterback somewhere next year. Yeah, it's weird that he might go on and have a better starting career after this point than he has done anywhere else because he's shown so much, and it's really interesting. Uh, he did. Um, they had. On the Peter King podcast, he was talking about talking with Foles and he asked Foles why he thinks he's so good late in the year. And he talked about being a quiet mind. And they had Dan Olofsky on that show, who, by the way, is quickly becoming well worth a follow on Twitter, Dan Olofsky. He's quickly becoming one of the best analysts, the former backup quarterback that the NFL has to offer. And they he... he formerly had a similar win over the New England Patriots uh, in the uh, in the playoffs where he came in as a backup and went out there and beat Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and uh, did it as a backup and they talked about how his quiet mind is so good in the playoffs because he just doesn't react to pressure but we saw it earlier in the season who is he early in the year uh, before the offense has become established and he's got to put it together <laughs> I do think that um, another one for clips of the week. There, I do think <laughs> that uh, um, that Foles Foles moves on. I think that's clear enough. He cost the Eagles twenty million dollars to keep them around. Um, I think the Eagles probably need a, a proper three down back for this offense. Jai coming off that torn anterior cruciate ligament, uh, scheduled to be an unrestricted free agent, and considering his knee problems in college as well, this could be. 
JHI could struggle to find a, a proper starting job somewhere. I think he might end up with a a backup level contract and a pro or a one year prove it deal more than anything else. But Sproles was great, but he'll probably retire. Smallwood played hard, but he's not really a number one back. So I think that they will look at look at a running back. The offensive line, just Jason Peters getting old, that's a position where they may need to move. Uh, they probably need some speed because you talked about um, what they had in Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey is a terrific player and he made one mistake and it ended up being the mistake that cost them the game. But it wasn't literally that one moment that cost them this win. There were two two. 0.75 quarters between when they uh, and mixing decimals and quarters I'd get in so much trouble but between when they were 14 nothing up and when they had that last drive where the the whole team wasn't doing enough so this isn't on Jeffrey but you look at Jeffrey Aguilar Tate Ertz some great players there not a lot of speed so I feel like a running back I feel like some speed and I do think there's going to be some turnover in the defensive line uh, Chris Long probably will go Brandon Graham will probably go um will Timmy Jernigan stick around what's the latest for Derek Barnett after his shoulder surgery they're a team who've got a huge amount of question marks on them uh, and so it's going to be fascinating to follow them this off season uh, as they look to uh, to retool and, and go back at it again next year yeah yeah I, there's an awful lot that needs redoing it um in Philadelphia but the Saints march on and we have got incredible. Yeah, we've got an incredible weekend of football. The, I think it's the sixth year in a row that all four top two seeds from each division make it through to the the championship weekend. So I think it's oh, my, is it six? I think it might be five, but maybe it is six. I thought it was six. Well, the Ravens won it from outside of the top two. And then I think it's been everyone since then, maybe. So, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Right. Let's hear from ESPN's Rob Tomofsky, Packers reporter and writer, a brilliant man as well. Uh, we look forward a little bit to this coming weekend, and then we'll get the latest odds with Jacob from Skybet. First of all, here is ESPN's Rob Tomofsky. Delighted to say we're joined by ESPN NFL Nation's Packers reporter, Rob Tomofsky. Morning, Rob. How's it going? Well, I was going to say good evening, but I should I should definitely have corrected myself <laughs> to good morning. Good evening uh, is perfectly acceptable, buddy. It's fine. <laughs> well, everything's great here. I hope everything's good over there with you guys. Oh, 100%. 100%. Uh, firstly, will you be out in Atlanta uh, in a couple of weeks' time, even though the Packers are nowhere to be seen in the postseason? Unfortunately, I don't think I will. Uh, but uh, I, I assume you guys will be there. Of course, we're going to be there. I was just well, thinking of, you know, a few beers, etc. But that's I it. was hoping so, but <laughs> my team let, let us down. Yeah, if we should. I want to start off by talking about that before we get on to this weekend's yep. games, etc. Because uh, it's a head coaching appointment in, um, in Green Bay. Well, why don't you tell the people a bit about who's been appointed and, and what the thoughts are about him? Yeah, Matt LaFleur is the new coach, and, and and it's new around here, especially because this doesn't happen very often. Um, Mike McCarthy uh, was the coach for almost 13 seasons, and as you know, got let go with four games to go. Um, you know, it's interesting that the new coach, whoever it was going to be, but in this case, 39-year-old Matt LaFleur, uh, he's got to drive down Mike McCarthy way to get to, to work every morning, which has got to be a little bit of an intimidating thing 
that you're driving down a street, you know, uh, that was named after the coach before you, the coach who, who won a Super Bowl, who took this team to the NFC Championship, which is, you know, essentially, like you said, the Super Bowl semifinals, or as I like to call it, the Final Four, uh, took, took this team there four times. And, and Matt LaFleur is a young guy who has bounced around. But, look, everybody here in the NFL is trying to copy what the Rams have done with Sean McVay. And, and basically, if you worked for Sean McVay or you've had any ties to Sean McVay, you're sort of the hot commodity. And that's what Matt LaFleur has done. Um, you know, but it's it's an interesting uh, year to hire a coach because, well, there's not exactly – there wasn't exactly one – head coaching uh, guy that you said, this is a sure thing. This is a lock. This is the hot candidate. And Matt LaFleur, this was the only job he interviewed for, and he got it. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. And, you know, if you uh, if you ever shook hands with uh, with Sean McVay or had a beer with Sean McVay or, <laughs> you know, if you've ever breathed the same air as Sean McVay, then you're suddenly uh, going to be, be fancied for a head coaching job. I think what's really interesting about the appointment for me is it wasn't a brilliant year for the Titans, but there were still flashes of, right. of, of potentially a, a, a good game plan there. The one thing I'd say is his offenses look incredibly structured and that's not always been the best way to work with Aaron Rodgers so correct how do you think that relationship couldn't could could work out this year yeah it's a great question it's going to be a big adjustment for Rodgers because you know look I, I any good coach will sort of curtail his plan and cater it toward the player he has and you don't want to you know you don't want to take away the magic that is Aaron Rodgers improvisational skills but I've had many scouts and coaches tell me that they think Rodgers is at his best and has always been at his best when the ball gets out of his hands quickly. You know, for every incredible play, and I remember we talked about the throw to Jared Cook against the Cowboys a couple mm-hmm. of years ago that was basically a scramble that, that sent them into the NFC Championship game. For every one of those plays, there's six or seven more where he just throws the ball out of bounds, and we saw that a ton this past season. He was just throwing the ball away. And, you know, for him to get into an offense like this, that that is a timing and precision offense, might end up, if he's willing to accept it, might end up being the best thing for him. Well, I, I do think back to when he was injured right at the beginning of the season. Yep. I think it was the Bears game in week three. Yeah. And a uh, week, uh, week, no, one. opening week, it was opening week, week yeah. Yep. Blimey, first yep. week of the season. It's a, it, I, I start to lose it about week nine. I forget <laughs> where I am. Um, that actually, because he was unable to be too mobile on that knee, he did yep. move to that kind of very structured style and he was brilliant. Right. So <laughs> there are. Yeah, and the same thing really, the same thing really when he, remember when he had the calf injury in 2014 and in, in, in that was late in the year in the playoffs? It was the same way he was. He was unreal in, in some of those late-season games, just getting the ball out of his hands quickly. So really, you know, this could be a, a really a good thing for him. And you add to that Nathaniel Hackett, the former uh, Jags offensive coordinator, coming into the mix yeah. as well, who I got into quite a hefty debate about this earlier in the year with, with uh, someone, but he kind of got slated because the Jags offense was bad this year. I, I said yeah. in, in 2017, I think there wasn't a coordinator who did a better job with a, a limited quarterback of getting the very right. best out of him. He could have done than he and Blake Bortles on that big playoff run. 
Somebody tweeted uh, earlier today, I was one of the other guys that covered the Packers, he listed off the quarterbacks that um, Nathaniel Hackett has coached, and you mentioned it was Blake Bortles, Chad Henney, uh, basically a bunch of guys who, you know, can't hold a candle to Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, for what he did, you know, in 2017 to get that offense to to where it was. And, and here's the other thing, Will, that I think people need to realize is, you know, I, I don't know how, how much over there people kind of complained about it or Packers fans did, but over here, one of the biggest complaints last season was that they didn't get the ball to running back Aaron Jones enough. He never got enough carries. Well, uh, Nathaniel Hackett and Matt LaFleur both love to get running backs involved. They, you know, they, they had a running back in Jacksonville last year in Leonard Fournette, who was fantastic. Uh, they've had running backs, you know, obviously Todd Gurley with the Rams. Uh, you know, even in Tennessee, Derrick Henry had some fantastic games this season. So if they can get Aaron Jones in that sort of a, a, a mode, then you can do all the play action stuff that this offense, and, you know, you know, don't forget Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers coach, this comes from the same coaching tree, and they love to do a lot of play action stuff. So, you know, that really could be a big difference for the Packers offense. Moving on to this weekend's games then, Rob, I'm sure you've been watching on maybe with yeah. some envy or maybe you've just been enjoying <laughs> the fact that you don't have to be in and around the facility all day, every day, just for these press conferences. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you make of the uh, of, of another season of the top two seeds getting through? It seems like it's been a regular thing the last two, three years. Have we got the uh, have we got the championship games that you hope for as a as a neutral as you are now? Sure. Yeah, I think so. I, I put it to you this way. I sat down uh, the, the other evening with a pint of Guinness, and it was 14 to nothing Eagles, and I thought, well, this is something. And then next thing you know, uh, the Saints you know, go on to do what they do. I, and I thought all along that it would be really hard for anybody to go into New Orleans and win there. But, boy, these I think these have the potential to be two of the best you know, semifinal games that, that you've that you've seen in a long, long time just because of, you know, the, the high level that these guys have played at all year. The offenses, I mean, you have three, you know, dynamic offenses in New Orleans, uh, the Rams, and, and the Chiefs, and then you have the old, you know, veteran standby, greatest coach ever, greatest quarterback ever in New England. I, I just am looking forward to, you know, hopefully they live up to, you know, what they could be in terms of potential. And then hopefully we get a great Super Bowl game because these are the teams that have dominated all season. And, and really, they deserve to be there. And, you know, as great as of a story as the Nick Foles would have been, uh, these really are the, are the four best teams and the teams that really deserve this. And hopefully they put on a good show. I am, um, I, I must say, I am. Um... There's, there's part of me, I know that the, a replay of a game is very rarely ever as good as the, the original. And these are yeah. both these are both replays this weekend and, and two games, which what we had 43 to 40 in the Chiefs Patriots, 45, 35 right. Saints Rams high scoring games. But after we, we saw you in Seattle earlier this year, very briefly, uh, we went down and we got to go to that Monday night football game, Rams Chiefs. If we can have that in the Super yeah. Bowl, I think everyone would be happy. What a great what a great game, you know, that would be or could be or and was. And, and you know, you, you guys probably saw, you know, in Seattle when we saw you, that was probably the beginning of the end for the Packers. But 
Um, that also was sort of the time of the year here. You know, what was that, mid-November, if I'm not mistaken? That's sort of where teams separate themselves. And, you know, Seattle did go on a nice little run. But that's sort of, you know, it was sort of at that moment where you were pretty sure that the, the, the four teams that we're talking about this weekend were just, they were just the cream of the crop. And, and, and look, we all love a great upset story. Um, we all love a good, you know, I mean, the, the Eagles would have been a great story. But, you know, for, for the good of, of the game and, and the entertainment of the fans, I think this is going to be fantastic football. And you just hope that they're, you know, I mean, for example, you know, the, the, the game the other uh, a week ago was Chicago and the Eagles. Just, you know, if you don't care who wins, you know, what drama, what incredible theater that was. Now, don't tell my friends in Chicago that I grew up in Chicago. Don't don't tell them because they they are still not over it. But but boy, it's uh, you know you just hope as as someone who gets to tell the story, you just hope that there's some compelling angle uh, in these games because you know that would just be great. Do you um do you think the one team the one game I do want to ask about the one team I want to ask about because uh, in the last hour we were talking I don't know if you're a tennis fan but Andy Murray is uh, is uh, been forced to to retire from the game of of tennis yeah. or will be this season due to yeah. to long-term injuries and we were talking with a, a sports uh, uh, with a sports fitness expert from the world of football about um you know uh, how athletes like Roger Federer etc can extend yeah. their life span as a sportsman yep. and well, Tom Brady is obviously the direction I'm going with this because yeah. at 41, he's going to his eighth consecutive title game. Yeah. Well, you know, Aaron Rodgers talks a lot about how much he admires Tom Brady and and, and not just for the football player he is, but, but Will for the, the, uh, the lifestyle that he leads and the commitment that he has made. Now, granted, he's got the, you know, he can afford to do whatever he wants to do, but he's got his own chef that, that, that makes, you know, the meals and, and caters a diet toward longevity. He's got his own trainers and, and workout people. And um, he's really the envy of every quarterback in the NFL. And to hear Rodgers talk about how he's trying to model himself, you know, after uh, Tom Brady and how, you know, when he's Rodgers is no longer the guy that, you know, carries in a pizza and drinks drinks a, a diet coke or a or a dr pepper or whatever every with every meal and it's just you know some guys are willing to go that far and and, and some guys aren't and clearly Tom Brady is one of those guys that is willing to do absolutely whatever it takes to stay at his best and, and look if, if he plays till he's 45 it would not surprise me one bit no, amazing stuff. Rob, always an absolute pleasure to catch up with you. Enjoy the off-season. And uh, it sounds like it's going to be a fun one for the Packers, even if uh, even if we're going to go into next season with maybe a little uncertainty. Yeah, it's always interesting. And then this season, uh, the off-season, will bring a lot, of, a lot more change and a lot more uh, uh, drama to, to see if they can get the Packers back to being one of those teams that we're talking about in the Final Four. Hey, more drama, more clicks, more uh, more love for you at ESPN, I'm sure. Uh, brilliant stuff, really appreciate it. Rob Domofsky joining us, ESPN NFL Nations Packers reporter. It's going to be an interesting old off-season in Green Bay, Ollie. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, I'm st- st- The jury obviously massively still out on Hackett. I know that you... Uh, that you have defended him somewhat. I'm a Hackett defender. I really am. I did it with Rob. 
done it with you before. I'll do it again. I think That's hack fine. it. It just it's all going to be down to how will Aaron Rodgers react to being in a highly schemed offense because that's what you're going to get with Lafleur and Hackett. It's going to be highly schemed, and there are those of us in the world who believe that Rodgers is at his best at the times where he's been forced to play in a more schemed offense, and the freelance plays have been fewer and further between. But at his age, having a guy a coach who's only three or four years older than him how's he going to react to it so that's going to be fascinating and this weekend's going to be absolutely brilliant ollie before we get to jacob from skybet do you have any final thoughts well uh, yeah it's not just football that you decide not to carry on watching when it is no longer a competition and i wanted to defend you quite frankly willie because yesterday the man city wolves game was on and I stopped. I just stopped caring after the second goal went in. Wolves down to 10. What's the point? What's the point in watching that? There's no point. So don't, you know, I maybe needed to watch it for for work, but ugh, I'm not going to bother. It was no longer a contest and I was proven right. You're proven right by not watching the second half. Well done for you to for going back and, and uh, having a look over the, the second half highlights. And you're a better man than I. <laughs> right brilliant stuff uh, Ollie fantastic as always we'll have another show out Friday or Saturday previewing Sunday's games on Sunday if you're in central London we're probably going to the Thirsty Bear in Southwark to watch the games tweet us at Will Gav at Ollie Hunter at Gridiron if you fancy coming and watching them with us we don't know that for certain yet because we've got to go and talk to them but just give us a tweet and we'll let you know um, otherwise thank you so much for listening let's get the latest odds with our friend at Skybet let's take a look now at the latest odds with our friends from Skybet ahead of Conference Championship Weekend. Uh, Jacob joins us. Uh, very good evening, Jacob. Uh, a big, big weekend of football up ahead. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, we've got two really, really good games, and we had, a, you know, I heard a lot of people saying they were a little bit disappointed with the games during divisional round. But I think for me, the the best thing about the divisional round is that I think we really do have the best four teams in the conference championships, and it doesn't always happen with the NFL seeding system. So. I'm really happy with the games we've got this weekend. Yeah, undoubtedly a couple of clashes to be very, very excited about. Uh, let's start off with the earlier kickoff, the NFC title game in New Orleans. The ultimate party city. Are the Rams going to be having a party when they come to town? We'll see. We've got the Saints at three and a half point favourites at the moment. The Saints are sat at eight to 15, where the Rams are six to four. You know, the home advantage tends to be roughly about three points just under, so almost saying the Saints are only slightly the better team. Uh, see if you can guess the, the percentage split of stakes. Is it 50-50? It's 60-40 for the Rams. Oh, wow. So I don't know if we're getting maybe a few people that are looking at it and they almost, same as a lot of people, can't can't pick the game. So they almost pick pick the, the bigger price. But there's, yeah, early money is for the Rams. However, I think... With the Saints' home advantage, it's going to be it's going to be a cracker. And the good thing about these two games is that we've got rematches of almost the two best regular season games we had this season. Well, other than a possible Super Bowl rematch we might have coming up if the Rams are victorious in this one yeah. and the Chiefs win uh, in the late kickoff. Uh, for my request to bet for this one, I do fancy the Saints to win. Sean Payton and Drew Brees' home record in the playoffs is just 
unbelievable and they did run out as you say 45 35 winners in this same fixture earlier in the season uh, so with that in mind i'm going to take the saints to win and over over the 58 points it's a very high line but i'm going to i'm going to take it i think both teams score 30 plus points in this game and then to to sweeten the pot to juice it up a little bit we've going to said it's going to be high scoring he was an absolute beast against them back in the regular season he was an absolute beast last weekend so let's take michael thomas to have over 100 receiving yards and the touchdown as well yep so we've got that Saints to win 58 plus points Michael Thomas 100 plus receiving yards and to score a touchdown at 8 to 1 like you said Michael Thomas has been an absolute, I mean he's been a beast all season but he was particularly a beast when he played the Rams last time 211 yards off 12 receptions he scored a touchdown he had 171 yards last week it almost just felt like Every time they needed a play, they just went to him. And sometimes, you know, the touchdown he scored against the Eagles, I don't know how you cover that any better, really. So I think he could be a big playmaker. The only thing to look out for is that this time they will have a keep to lead, which they didn't the first time. So maybe, hopefully, the the Rams can can maybe close that gap by having a bit, you know, more than one pass, pass coverage guy to spread across their receivers. Uh, and then to the evening game then in Kansas City, a cold as anything arrowhead as the Chiefs take on the Pats. Yeah, so we saw that with the, the points total. It started off near 59. It was then down at 57. It's now sitting down at 55 and a half. So I think the weather reports have maybe played it as a, into a factor about that. Chiefs three points favourites. So it's a similar similar line to the to the Saints game they're sat at 8 to 13 while the Patriots are sat at 11 to 8 and this time we've got the 60 40 split but for the Chiefs I yeah I, my big problem here is that last weekend I tried to overthink my picks and I ended up making some bad choices because of it and yes I should think you know eight AFC championship games the Patriots uh, in consecutively the Patriots are just amazing at this point but they were 9-0 and at home this season, including last weekend, which means they lost all five of their uh, games on the road. Three and five away from home. They're going into one of the toughest atmospheres in the NFL and against the best offense in the NFL. I'm going to take KC to win with the over on the points. I think they're going to, they ran the ball brilliantly, the Patriots, last weekend in the cold. So I still like Sonny Michel to, to have a big game. I've gone over 100 rushing yards for him and Mahomes to have over 300 passing yards. Yes, yeah, so that's going up at 12 to 1. Like you said, it's a, it's a tough environment to go into. We saw it was clearly a factor against the Colts. They had a lot of first half penalties, a lot of false starts, and it's going to be rocking, I think, again this time. Like you say, the Patriots weren't so good away from home and. I, you find it hard to pick against them in the playoffs, especially in the conference game, but that's the, the success is normally because it's always going through Foxborough. It could be a little bit of a different environment for them and it's got to favour the Chiefs a little bit. They did run the ball really, really well and I think the Patriots, what they do so well is rather than have that one style, they, they have that ability to just become whatever team they need to be to beat you that week. And mm-hmm. that... For the Chiefs, for me, their their weakness is really in that run D. So I could see them try to eat up a lot of clock like they did against the Chargers and just trying to make sure that however many possessions Casey have, it's not a lot. And that way they can hopefully keep themselves in that game. And yeah, it's going to be interesting. 
What have we got in the way this weekend of touchdown trebles? Any requests to bet deals? Yeah, so the touchdown treble is already live, actually, and that's Alvin Kamara, Todd Gurley, and Sony Michelle all to score a touchdown. Ooh. That's boosted from three to one up to five to one. And then we've also got the request a bet offer, which will be on the Chiefs Patriots game, and that's already live as well. So if you back any ten pounds worth of request a bets on the Chiefs Patriots game, then you'll get a five pound free bet to use on any NFL market. It can be on cross match you can stick that on the touchdown treble yeah brilliant stuff look that's uh, that's great jacob of course as always it is over 18s only full terms conditions at skybet.com uh, full terms conditions apply and please gamble responsibly uh, jacob will be speaking and when we next speak we'll know who the uh, who the teams in the super bowl will be and i'm sure you'll be bringing us some nice fun bets for for maroon five and for everything else we will indeed yeah we'll have we'll have a lot of half time specials up don't you worry hello you're listening to the horse ramble daily where we'll be covering all of your horse needs and there's more every day during the Cheltenham festival betway are giving you the chance to win fifty thousand pounds in the free to play or to win game head to betway.com to play now up next more horses horse 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 Horse, 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 horse. Full terms apply. 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org.